Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And on this week's episode, I'm sitting down and talking with the OG himself, Frank from Ponchito's Taqueria. Well, uh, first, let's get into what I'm drinking. This week, I'm drinking a pour of Weller Special Reserve, um, a bottle that's extremely difficult to find here in Syracuse. And when you can, it's probably it's going to be overly priced overpriced um i got this bottle thanks to my brother robert uh who lives in kentucky and who can get this on the shelf whenever he wants for about 40 or 50 uh, i think 50 bucks um and so he brought it up for me for thanksgiving as a gift and uh it's good i just cracked it open tonight for the first time ever it's a wonderful 90 proof which is uh you know like my wheelhouse for what i prefer my bourbons to be at uh, at least right now. So it's a great little weeded bourbon. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my guest this week is Frank from Ponchito's Taqueria. Um, I kind of have a love, uh, hate, love relationship with Ponchito's. And let me explain why. You know, back when I was like a, a later in high school, um, which I now believe was right around when Ponchito's first opened, friends had introduced me to, because I, I grew up over on, in, in Westvale, and so we never really got over to like the Lincourt area to check out Ponchito's, the original location. Um, but friends of mine had introduced me to Ponchito's, and you know, as like a fat high schooler, I discovered the Super State Burrito, and my life was forever changed. Um, and so I would go there, quite a bit back back in the day. And then, you know, as I got older and, and moved around and lived in Texas and California and had some different styles of burritos and, you know, coming back here to Syracuse seven years later and going back to Ponchitos, I wasn't really impressed. Um, now, before the family comes after me and, and, and cuts my throat or um, starts harassing me on Facebook, let me just say I wasn't impressed because the one thing that I've learned over the past year about Ponchitos is you have to know what you're doing. Like when you go in there, you're the one that's choosing your food. Like you're ordering, like, you know, if you've never been there, you know, you, you go, you get a burrito or tacos or a quesadilla or whatever. And, um, you know, you're choosing what goes in it. And if you don't know what you're doing, then your food isn't going to taste as great. I learned earlier this year, I went in there and, and said, and, you know, I became friends with Michael on Facebook. Michael, I believe, runs the operation down here uh, at Fayette, which is just down the street from my studio. And so I went in there and said, you know, what do you like? What do you guys eat? Because that's what I want. And so he made me this burrito. It was just like out of this fucking world. And the tacos. Oh, my God. The tacos that he made for uh, this year's Cinco de Mayo search. Best taco. Whew, those things will put most... Well, they put every other restaurant except for one to shame this year. Um, some of the best tacos I've ever had in Syracuse. And so that's what I've learned is if you don't know what you're doing, uh, your food's not going to taste that great. Um, and you, I mean me. So if, if I don't know how what to order in my burrito, it's not going to taste as great as letting the experts do it. And so that was a little bit of hate of me being an idiot and not ordering properly. But now, whew. I absolutely best burrito in Syracuse without question. Um, and some of the best tacos. Uh, so I, I absolutely love Panchitos. Now having Frank on the podcast, I've never met him before. Honestly, I didn't even know his name was Frank before he came in here. And, um, and that's part of what I love about doing the podcast is I don't know my guests when they come in, not all of them, but I just knew, you know, Panchitos is like this OG restaurant when I look at, if, if I had to look at like the landscape of, let's say, 20 restaurants in Syracuse and somebody said, all right, define Syracuse with these 20 restaurants, 10 restaurants even, Ponchitos is definitely in that top 10 list for sure. Um, just, you know, they're just a staple in Syracuse. I feel like so many people know who they are and their reputation is just so um, unmatched in terms of a restaurant that's existed in Syracuse for so many years and has been run and owned uh, by the same family. So those are the reasons I wanted to have him on. And there has been very few guests um, uh, that there's been about a handful of guests over the years 
where when they've left, I'm just like in awe of uh, their story, of who they are, of what they do, and and that's and Frank is one of them. Uh, to think about his story of his family's legacy at the bakery and all the kids that he was, you know, raising and cooking for. And, and, and the reason why he started this, it's this restaurant, it's just astounding. And to sit across from him and be able to talk to him was honestly, uh, humbling for me. Um, I, it felt like I was talking to like royalty to a certain extent. It was just, um, I just, the, the feeling of, like gratitude that I that I got the opportunity to sit down with this man and talk to him and learn about his family history and the story of the restaurant and just talk to him for the, the time that we did. I just feel very honored to have been able to do that. And um, yeah, so this is without a doubt one of my favorite episodes I've done this year. I hope it comes across in the conversation. I hope you enjoy listening and learning more about this wonderful local business uh, as I did. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, it, it, you know, I'm recording this intro. I recorded this with Frank back in, I think in October, uh, before we had our, our child and before I was out on paternity leave. Um, but, uh, uh, but I'm recording this intro here the, the first week of second week of December and, um, uh, things have kind of settled down in the restaurant industry here in our area. It's slow right now. I just met, I had a meeting this morning with a restaurant owner in Rome who um, really got fucked over uh, by a business partner who was like the managing partner. He was like the guy running the show and um, making a lot of financial decisions. And it turned out the guy hadn't been paying any of the bills. And so, and the guy like took off. Um, And so I went and met with him and uh, I met with him because they needed help with social media quickly because the the previous partner who had fucked them over and not paid any of their bills and had no idea what he was doing was in charge of their social media and he was doing a really shitty job with it. He actually hired uh, Bill Vinci from the Empire Plate and you know, that was a massively stupid decision um, as I've talked about before. Um, but as I was talking to this guy who he's great intentions, you know, he's a business owner himself in a different industry and good location, decent concept. But in talking to him and kind of explaining to him what works, I was just, uh, I felt really grateful that I, you know, was able to have the reputation that I was the one that got the call to try and go and help him. But I also um, felt bad because I realized that he didn't really know what he was doing. <laughs> and uh, I've had those these conversations a few times over the past co- like year, especially. And that is just kind of the difference in what, what worked seven years ago and what doesn't work today in terms of like marketing for a restaurant. You know, this is a place that was using, that was still doing like a wind down Wednesday promotion. Let me just tell you right now, if you're listening to this and you do a wind down Wednesday promotion, stop. It doesn't work. Please stop doing it. Um, that worked about a decade ago. Uh, and so I was able to give this guy some advice. I don't say this. Don't, don't, I don't tell you the story to like talk about think how I'm so wonderful and know what I'm talking about in this dumb, dumb restaurant owner didn't. I'm telling you the story to say um, five years ago, this guy wanted to pay me a couple hundred bucks a month to run his social media for him. And he wanted to... He wanted me to just put out a post every day. Just, I need people to see that we're active, that we're out there. And um, what I realized is that, and what I was able to communicate to him, that five years ago, that worked. Take a good picture, put it on Facebook every single day of the week. It will work. Run a little Facebook ad with it. It will work. Five, six, seven years ago, that definitely worked. Um, Today, that doesn't work anymore. You know... Uh, my restaurant, 3-1 Fried, we're not beating the doors down by any stretch of the imagination, but I just took two weeks off and didn't make a single post on social media for us, and we didn't notice one difference in business, in revenue. Things didn't change one iota. And so 
And we weren't doing anything special in terms of creative. We were just posting the same picture over and over again. Not the same picture, but the same group of photos. So what's my point? My point is, if you're a restaurant owner and you're listening to this, and times are about to get tough, we're going into slow season, if you're listening to this and you're, gonna, you're trying to make a difference in terms of like business for your restaurant, then I'd encourage you to, A, stop doing whatever you've been doing, especially the things that haven't been working. B, get on YouTube and start searching content ideas, marketing ideas for restaurants in 2023. And C, start looking at bigger cities across the country and look to see what other, other restaurants in like Los Angeles and New York City are doing that fit your demo, like fit the type of restaurant you are, and try and get ideas for things that you could copy from them that might work for yourself. That's my point. All right, without further ado, we're going to get into this week's conversation with Frank from Punchitos. talking so you started you started Panchitos back in 2007 that's right 07 February of 07 yeah what uh I mean there's the there's the you know the sign that everybody sees in the restaurants you know made by well-trained gringos right? <laughs> that's right so what what back in 07 what made you want to start Panchitos well here's what happened is I ended up raising five boys and five girls yeah. yeah, I was a foster parent. I adopted some kids. You know, my house was always full. Yeah. At one point, there was 13 people living in my house. Wow. Probably 10, 12 years until they grew up and started moving out. At night, I would cook for at least 15 to 20 people every night. There was <laughs> kids from the neighborhood there. Everybody always had a friend there. So I said, you know, guys... We're going to do something <laughs> with all this talent here. Everybody loves to cook. Everybody loves to eat. Mm -hmm. So there were nights that I would get up maybe 2 a.m. to go pee, and there was seven, eight kids in the house playing pool, <laughs> cooking sausage and peppers, <laughs> and my house smelled like the state fair 24 <laughs> hours a day. So I told them, I said, you know what? We're going to open up a pizza shop. Mm. We're going to sell pizza. Dad makes great pizza. Everybody loves my pizza. Mm. And then I got an opportunity to take a trip to South America. Okay. And while I was down there, we were there almost a month. We took a lot of bus trips daily. Mm. And the bus trip would stop on the side of the road at these little makeshift shacks. Mm. They just had a little grill in there and the fresh vegetables and the salsas. And we would stop there every day. Hmm. And it wasn't until I saw somebody eat breakfast. And I don't know why that happened, but someone was eating breakfast on the side of the road, and they had tortillas, three tortillas, eggs, and potatoes. Hmm. And I thought, geez, what a nice little business that would be. <laughs> Seasonal, side of the road, yeah. take the winter off. They can almost like an ice cream stand. Mm -hmm. Only we sell tacos and burritos or everything on a tortilla. Because mm. I didn't see much bread down there. Yeah. And I'm a baker. Oh, I okay. was brought up in a bakery. Yeah. So I noticed everything's on a tortilla. And then when I got to the little villages, I started to see the tortas and the semitas for the first time, mm. the sandwiches. Yeah. They said, oh, you know, this is a, this is a concept. This is a, just a different way people eat. Mm -hmm. They're eating the same food we eat, only in mm. a different style. Yeah. And I liked it. Yeah. And I came home with that idea, with tacos, burritos, quesadillas. Mm. What were you doing before? So what were you doing before that? Like I was at Syracuse University from 87 to 93. I was their bakery manager. Okay. Um, that was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. But I just never had worked for anyone outside my family before. Yeah. And up there, it was very political. I didn't have a college degree. Mm. 
And uh, it was just, it was a rough going. It was, it, was, uh, it was a lot of money. I was making great money. I had great benefits, but it was probably the most unhappy I had ever been in my life. You know, to just to go up there and to, to be there at a desk and, and not be able to get in there and work with the union guys and not having the, the experience where I would go in sometimes at work and the union guys would get mad and say, you're a manager, go sit down. Hmm. Yeah. If you want another baker, get another baker in here. <laughs> I wasn't used to that. You know, it wasn't, it, I wasn't politically inclined. Yeah. And then I started to understand my dad. My dad had a bakery, had his own business. Mm. He always had a pocket full of money. <laughs> and when he got into his 40s, his health started to fail. Mm -hmm. He closed his bakery down. Mm. And he went to work for the post office mm. for a couple of years. Mm. Didn't like that. Went to work with Niagara Mohawk for a couple of years. Didn't like that. And went back into the bakery business. What bakery was it? Roma Bakery. He oh, okay. operated from the 50s right up until 87. Where, where was that at? It was on Lodi Street. Okay. Right in the heart of Little Italy. Huh. And uh, my father was a great baker. Everybody loved him. And he loved his work. Yeah. And he loved his work. He gave up two really good jobs to get back into that business. Hmm. Yeah. What was the bake? So did you grow up like, did you grow up as a kid in the bakery? In the bakery. I used to talk in dozens and half dozens. <laughs> Go buy six bubble gums. I'd say, give me a half a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought all flour, all money felt like my dad's money always had flour. Oh, wow. On it. Yeah. And I thought that's how money felt. <laughs> that's awesome. And yeah. And I remember when I was a little older and I started to earn money cutting grass and people would give me money, I'd, I'd feel it. It didn't feel right. <laughs> but yeah. That's awesome. My, uh, my grandfather, um, who I'm named after, uh, he owned a company called American Amusement back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Wow. So if he had, and he was here in Syracuse, and they grew up on the north side, you know, back in the day, that was, you know, the Italian section. Right. Um, and so, and, uh, you know, 30, 20s or 30s, whatever it was, when he was a kid, you know, his parents had a little corner store over on the north side, and I think it was State Street and something else. But anyways, they, um, but he did uh, pinball machines and jukeboxes and cigarette machines and uh, that kind of stuff. That's you know? back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's, I think it's still there. Serio's Auto Body is still over there somewhere. And that was, you know, uh, we were, Neighbors. we were, well, we were Serio, our family were Tringales, Serio's, and Tucci's. You uh -huh. know? So, yeah. Which there's a lot of Serio's and Tucci's yeah. that are running around Syracuse. Um, What's school the Tucci? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, but yeah, that's wild. So, Roma Bakery. So, how many are you, how many siblings did you have? I had six sisters and a brother. Wow. Yeah. Were they all connected in the, was everybody in the bakery back then? Um, yeah, kind of in and out. My sisters were nurses. I had three sisters that were nurses, became registered nurses. Mm -hmm. My brother went into the service and uh, he moved away. It was just me and my dad uh, towards the end. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a great career. I, I loved it. Yeah. You know, being an artisan and making bread by hand, it was a really, really a nice experience. Yeah. And when I was at the university, like I said, I wasn't happy. I got out of there. I knew I had to start something. And it, for, for the longest time, it was going to be a pizza pasta shop. Hmm. And that trip to South America really changed my whole attitude. Uh, I got the name Panchito while I was visiting there from hmm. a, a, a big Spanish man named Pancho. <laughs> and I was sitting across from him, and someone commented, hey, look, Pancho sitting across from Pancho. <laughs> and Mr. Pancho said, as long as I'm here, he's Panchito. And I was like half his size. <laughs> the day I left, it's customary to leave a little gift of some sort. Okay. So I, I made a card, mm. and I put some money in it, mm. and I signed it Panchito. <laughs> right? But I signed it with an O. <laughs> and I handed him the card, and as we were leaving, I noticed they were looking at the card, and they were laughing, him, his wife, his daughter, they were all laughing. Hmm. And I said to my friend, who was a little more fluent in Spanish, mm -hmm. I said, they're laughing because I used his name, Panchito, yeah. that he gave me. And he said, no. He said, they're laughing because you misspelled it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were saying, while they were laughing, they were saying, Ponchito, oh, look, Ponchito, Ponchito. <laughs> I thought that's what he was laughing, but he was laughing at the fact that I misspelled it. Wow. So I kept it that way mm. when I got here. When I when I got back, 
I took one of the the uh, guides that we had. I offered him a job, and he came mm. about a month later, stayed at my house, and I was going to change the spelling. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 that's slang. He <laughs> says, that would be like somebody saying, hey, Frankie or <laughs> Joey, you know, Punchito. He says, it, it's good. It's a slang. So I kept it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. But once in a while, I get called out on it. Oh, really? Yes. And once in a while, someone, you know, Puerto Rican or Mexican, <laughs> they'll look and they'll, uh, Punchito. <laughs> I said, There's a story behind it, but we won't get into it. That's awesome. Yeah. So wh- where was the first shop when you opened up, you know, 16 years ago? 16 years ago, we opened up in Lincourt in February. Okay. And um, we were the first taqueria, the first people in Syracuse that went by the, 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 the name taqueria. Yeah. They had never heard of it. A lot of people thought at the time I made the name up. Mm. They thought it was, oh, that was very clever. I said, oh, they're all <laughs> over California. You know, my brother lived in California, and he used to send me clippings mm. and menus from oh, the wow. taquerias out there. Oh, that's, wow, that's yes, smart. Yes, and, uh, um, uh, but we were new, and, and people just loved the novelty of it. Mm. When we first opened in February until about the end of March, it was pretty lonely in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then um, Bob mm. Neat called from the Post Standard. Mm. Wanted to do a little interview like this over the phone, mm. and he, I told him in that interview, if you can look in the archives of the Post Standard, I, yeah. I said, within... Four to five years, these places, Mexican is the new Chinese. Mm. The wave is here now. People are liking burritos. They're talking <laughs> tacos, Taco Bell. I can remember getting in the van and driving my kids to Oswego to go to Taco Bell because it was the closest one. Holy cow. Yeah. And, it, I mean, everybody was talking tacos and burritos, yeah. quesadillas. Mm. I thought, what an easy what an easy way to go. Yeah. Yes. And then my friend called me from Boston, and mm. he said, you know, there's a place up here called Anna's. Mm. You should really come up and look at it. It was Anna's Taqueria. Mm. And I went there probably five times in a month before I opened. Wow. Drove up to Boston, would just sit in there, watch them, watch their mm. food, and really was able to tap into them and ask them, very nice people, and they gave me a lot of pointers, mm. uh, what kind of steamers to use, mm. uh, the, the product yeah. uh, availability and what you'll find in, in your local places and what you won't find. They were very good. But mm. that's that was the finalized plan right there after I saw Anna's in Boston. Mm. We took off right after them. That's wild. You know, I, you know it's, it's funny to hear you talk about that. I mean, you know. If, today, if I want to, um, I mean, there's a great restaurant in Rochester that does chicken sandwiches that's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I, I went out there a month or so ago and checked them out. But I could, to hear you tell, talk about your brother sending you the clippings and menus and then you having to drive to Boston, I can just jump. And I know, you know, it's 2000 to the internet existed, but not like it is today. Oh, no. I mean, I could jump on Instagram and I do this from time to time. I'll jump on Instagram and I'll say, or Google, and I'll type in what are the food trends or what are the best chicken sandwich restaurants in Los Angeles or Nashville or Louisiana or wherever, oh, okay. New Orleans. You know, we're like the big cities yeah. where things might be a little fat, you know, quicker to, you know, happen than they are here in Syracuse. Right. Because right? I want to see what those trends are and like the flavors that people are using. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the effort that you had to go through to, you know, yeah, because uh, to give you an example is the Berea tacos that we do on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That was all taken off the internet. Yeah. I, I had never heard of them. Oh. My son calls me and he says, Dad, you know, <laughs> there's this Berea taco thing hitting the internet. You got to <laughs> see it. You know, and brought it to the house, showed it to me. And mm. I said, okay. I said, get some of the broth from the, the steak that we make mm. and make tacos and tell them, to, no, they said, you can't do that. No, <laughs> that's not the way it's done. <laughs> And they researched the recipe. My my youngest son and my oldest son researched the recipe, went over it and over it, and mm. now they do a great burrito taco. On Taco Tuesdays, yeah. it's a great, 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 great asset to the business. It really is. Yes. And, um, you know, one thing, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I One thing I've learned this year is, uh, and thanks to Michael, is I've learned when I go into Panchitos now, I need to not order what I would typically order. I need to say whatever you got, whatever is most popular, whatever you eat. And then, ha- you know, I mean, the tacos that he made me 
when we were doing the contest. I mean, we're just out of this freaking world. They were so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it re- really reminded me of, of tacos I've had in California before, Mex- or in Texas. I mean, they were just phenomenal. And uh, and then even the burrito. Like, if I go in there now, I say, what's that burrito that, you know, it's some combination of, like, the chicharron and the ground beef and, you know, the hot, and it's just, but if I go in there and order what I want, it's going to be, bland and you know not right. bland but you uh-huh. know like you. my combination but so i've learned go in there and say what do you eat what do you like because that's and yeah. the those burrito tacos i mean that was a food trend that syracuse in my mind is usually like five years behind a new york yeah, city absolutely. right but the burrito tacos for syracuse kind of hit around the same time that it did everywhere else in the country well the internet again yeah yeah has there been i mean you know i mean how much you know, Latin American or Mexican cuisine really. Um, uh, there aren't too many innovations in that cuisine that happen, right? Uh, over the 16 years you've been in business, but has there been another example like that over those 16 years where it was a menu item or something that you had to? One of the one of my fondest memories of our early days in business was the mall at the time, the Destiny Mall was getting worked on. Mm. Lots of work, lots of addition going on. And there were three young men from Ecuador Mm. that were staying at a bed and breakfast that was owned by a friend of mine. Mm. And he recommended us. He says, hey, you know, while you guys are in town, you should go up there and try. This guy's making tacos, burritos, and quesadillas. Mm. These Ecuadorian men came in for lunch and dinner (laughs) mm, three to four times a week, no Mm. exaggeration, for about three months hmm. until they their job mission was over. Yeah. And on the last day they came to see us, before they walked out the door, one of the gentlemen said, he's a good cook. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I can't tell you how validated I felt because oh. I never used the word authentic. Mm-hmm. I The way I feel is that when you leave the country authenticity is out the door. Yeah. Now you're working with what you can get here mm-hmm. and you try to make it as good mm. and as palatable to an American that it can be. <laughs> when someone of a different culture comes in, of yeah. a Latin culture comes in and tells me my food is good and he cooks good, <laughs> that is such a compliment. Yeah. I can't tell that is That makes you feel awesome. Mm. That makes you feel great. And I love when people come in and say, oh, this is my first time here. Mm. That's as gratifying as seeing a guy that's been coming in for 15 years. Yeah. You know that people are still catching on, people are still hearing about you. Mm-hmm. It's a great feeling. It's yeah. a great feeling. I mean, to me, like, it's it was surprising to hear six, only 16 years because to me, Panchito's is, um, and I guess that must mean, like, some of the first times that I ever had your food must have been when you first opened. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Panchito's is, like, it's a legacy restaurant on the same level as like a Possibilities or a Kitty Hoynes or, you know, what, like a Coleman's, um, a legacy restaurant in Syracuse that's just been there forever. And, you know, you couldn't imagine the landscape without it. I like to think that. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's surprising to hear only 16 years because in my head, you've been here mm-hmm. for, you know. Well, we, I got three generations now. Yeah. My grandchildren are working for me now. So that's a great thing. Wow. Yeah. What's that like? What's that feeling like? I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. It's great. Yeah. It's great. And now, now the way I feel, the way the economy has gone, mm-hmm. the way the, the price of groceries have gone up, I really now am in business to keep my kids employed mm-hmm. and keep them living. Yeah. Keep them up there with the cost of living. I've made my living. I, I really have to keep this place open now so that the kids got work. Yeah. It is it is hard out there now. Yeah. It's hard out there. My grocery bills have doubled. They're mm. just starting to come down and they're not coming down as fast as they went up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I mean we we could talk for hours about that. I mean the 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 way the restaurant landscape has changed over the past 2 years, especially in our area, mm-hmm. is just nuts. And um you know, a lot of restaurants closed during the pandemic. Syracuse didn't have as many that closed as, like, in the same percentage as other big other cities. cities. Yeah. But now we've had 12 in the last month and a half. You know, they just reported Stone Steakhouse closed today over on Erie Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So it's wild to see a lot of them are closing. But I will say uh, most of the restaurants that are closing right now are closing um, for a lot of reasons, and it's really food costs, and it's 
labor shortages. Labor shortages is yeah. tough. Thank God they're my kids. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's tough keeping them employed and keeping them happy. Yeah. It is. Huh. So do all of them work for in the restaurants? Six out of the ten okay. work for me. Yeah. Which is, isn't a bad uh, yeah. percentage. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I've got my first son, my first child coming uh, maybe next week. Wow. Great. And, uh, you know, my, so I grew up, my dad grew up in the, I grew up with my dad always in the food service or hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. He, back in the seventies, um, he owned a diner on West Genesee street, the old Grimlow's diner. Oh, geez. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember the Grimlow's. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That was the spot. Yeah. In fact, I delivered bread to, to Grimlow's for a while. Oh, really? My dad made the bread for them. Oh, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Sliced bread for uh, Italian toast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So dad bought it, and he graduated West Hill in 70. He went off to college. So I'd imagine he owned it in, like, somewhere between 75 and 77. Uh. And um, he turned it into Bobby T's. I don't know how oh. long he, he... I think he kept it still Grimlow's for a little bit and then switched it to Bobby T's was the name. I don't know how long he had that. Um, uh, how long he had the diner. I don't think it was very long. But um, anyway, so when I was like nine, we lived in Kentucky, and they he opened up a 50-style diner in Kentucky, you know, him and my mom, and mm. had it there for a year. And, um, and, you know, I was nine years old. I was homeschooled at the time, and I remember going up after the lunch rush on most weekdays, and I would do like the six or seven tubs, you know, uh, dish tubs of dirty dishes from dishes. lunch. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> and then there was... Entry uh, level. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was like this 45-minute gap in, in shifts where there was nobody scheduled. And so, you know, my mom and dad were up there all day, every day. So, and I would be up there and they'd let me take a table and go in the back and watch dad cook or, uh, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, but I grew up in with that stuff. And... Um, my dad now, he just started two years ago, uh, or maybe a year ago. He works for a company actually just down the street here who, um, and I've had the owner on the podcast. This guy owns like a bunch of chemical companies and water treat. He owns like, um, clean all stuff like that. Hey. He just bought Lorenzo's, um, like a month ago, actually the beginning of this month, he they took over it. Um, everything's, you know, George and the Muzaks and all them are still there, but, uh, dad is like running Lorenzo's for them now. Uh -huh. Um, and so now I'm working with him and you know, it's that capacity and it's really, you know, I grew up thinking to myself, man, I never want to work that hard as, you know, seeing yeah. my parents and, uh, in food service. And now it's wild to think that, uh, not only am I in food service, but I'm also working with dad in food service, you know, so. I'd imagine it's pretty rewarding to have, you know, this business with your whole family, you know, with oh, your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was what were you doing between the like and were you, were you in food service between when your dad's bakery closed and you were at SU? After SU. After SU. Okay. After SU we ran a daycare at the house oh, okay. for about seven, eight years. Yeah. And I had a big uh, fifteen passenger van. Wow. And the school would recommend kids who didn't have dads, mm. single moms. They'd say, well, look, I got a nice babysitter for you. Mm. And I would pick them up in the van, bring them home after school. A lot of them would stay until dinner. And because it was a part-time thing, we could we could have up to 12 kids. Wow. And at times we did. <laughs> they would be there from like, oh, maybe 3 o'clock in the afternoon after school until about 5.30 till mom picked them up. Mm. We did that for the longest time. Mm. And then I got the bug. I just, I couldn't sit home anymore and do that. I mean, it was so rewarding. It was a good pay. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't happy again. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was happiest when, when I was baking bread or making food. And mm -hmm. in, in, uh, I'll, I'll share a funny experience with you. I just turned 70 this year. Okay. And I'm doing a little bit of a reflecting, you know, and how long did my parents live? How long did my grandparents live? And, and this and that. But it's the most rewarding time of my life. I only feel young when I'm working. <laughs> it beats me. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm so much more tired. Yeah. And I can feel, you know, my age. But when I'm working, it's the only <laughs> time I feel young again. I, I love doing the taco truck. Yeah. 
for me, that was my real, my 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 real idea was to do it outdoors, hmm. seasonal, and let the people see you cooking. Yeah. Let them see mom cutting the vegetables for the salsa and the pico because that's what I saw in South America. Mm-hmm. I can remember I was sitting on a bus mm. and I was looking down and they had they they have these these big corn cobs they call chocla mm-hmm. and the corn the kernels are very very big it's mm. very tasty corn mm. it's all over South America and I looked down and there was a lady and I said oh my god look at the water she had. The corn in the I thought mm. was water, but it was oil. Mm. She was frying it and she was taking it out, and it was just a little bit golden. Mm. I, I got to go get one of these. <laughs> I jumped off the bus, ran down, and they put this green like uh, cilantro mm. on top of it. It was delicious. <laughs> so when I fried corn for the first time here, mm-hmm. it was about seven eight years ago, and I did it for the soldiers at the other restaurant. Okay, I said you guys got to see this, you know. <laughs> And I fried the corn, brought it out to him, and the first guy to bid it said, "You put Pepsi on this." <laughs> <laughs> but that's how sweet it gets. Wow. Yeah, and uh, we start doing it now every year, hmm. and I'll only fry the corn when it's local. Yeah. The Florida corn and the Jersey, the Jersey corn isn't bad, but the, when the Florida corn comes up, it's usually about a week old anyway. Mm. And, you don't get a nice sweet kernel; you get a kind of dried out one. Yeah. But when the local corn is in. And we fry that corn up. It is it is as sweet as can be. It's delicious. And like I said, I saw that in South America. And at first, I said, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about, um, I mean, you're talking about the sh- like the roadside shacks. Reminds mm-hmm. me of a place in, in Grenada that I went once. And uh, my brother used to live in Grenada years ago. And, um, and uh, there is the, the, where he lived, he was a missionary of all things. And where he lived, there was just about a five-minute walk down to the beach. And on that beach near where he lived was this, I think they called her the chicken lady. And it was just that. It was like this tiny shack that had made zero sense why it was there. Love it. But she just did barbecue chicken. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like a crazy jerk chicken. It wasn't anything. It was just simple barbecued chicken. And it was absolutely delicious. You know, we had the same experience and my wife said, it's just chicken. Why does it taste so good? Yeah. And I I took her to the back of the restaurant, and the chickens were running around in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's why it tastes so good, because they kill them chickens and feed you. Yeah. You know, it's not a chicken that's been sitting in the cooler. Yeah, that's true. And that's that's all the difference in the world. Huh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's wild. I will not, I don't take any frozen meat. We do not take mm. frozen meat. They'll come in, my suppliers, and they'll say, look, I can give it to you, you know, for 40 cents a pound cheaper if you take the frozen. Mm. Pr- and I, it's just not the same. It doesn't yeah. cook the same. The yeah. cooks get confused. They don't like it. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's just, there's something, uh, you know, I don't know what, I, I don't know of a, of a different word to use, but, you know, just kind of romantic about simple food, like tortillas and meat. You know, I love, I, when I lived in Texas, um, you know, there is obviously phenomenal Mexican restaurants all over the place. And, and um, some of my close friends who I lived with for a little bit were, uh, their parents were, were Mexican. They lived, they used to live down in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is right there on the border. And, mm-hmm. and um, but whenever we would go over to their parents' house a lot for, especially like after church on Sundays and stuff. And they always had a garbage bag on the counter in the kitchen filled with tortilla dough. And I mean, wow. no matter what, any time of day that you went over there, there was always that bag there. And so they would often just have fresh tortillas that they would make. And I mean, there's nothing. Nothing like it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing like it. Um, it's one of my favorite things to make. Just that and just some steak with a good salsa, you know. And there's really nothing better than just that. Yeah, going back to the the breakfast yeah. guy that I saw, he was taking his tortilla, throwing refried beans on there, mm. and then his eggs, mm. and just closed it up, and it was dripping all over them. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask him for a bite. Yeah. <laughs> so, Boy, right. that looks good. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you, it was like an epiphany. I said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Forget pizza. Pizza. Pizza's everywhere. <laughs> you know, and you can make, in this town, you can make a great pie. Yeah. And get lost in the shuffle. For sure. It's a shame. I've had them. I've had them. Yeah. They're closed in the air. There's just too much comp out there. Yeah. So in the in the 
And with all your siblings, you know, you said six sisters and a brother, right? Mm -hmm. Are you the oldest, youngest? I was right in the middle. I had three older sisters, three younger sisters. There was me and my brother. We were 17 months apart. Oh, wow. And yeah, I never ironed a shirt in my life. I had my <laughs> sisters taking care of me. They told me what to wear, how to look cool, how to act cool. <laughs> it was kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, Where did you go to high school at? I went to high school at St. John the Baptist. Oh, I went okay. there from kindergarten to graduation day. Oh, wow. <laughs> All 13 years. And, and uh, I think on graduation day, there was 11 of us. Wow. That had been together from kindergarten on up. Okay. Yeah, it was really a cozy little school. Yeah. It was fun. Did your dad want you to be in, like, in the food service bakery world? He did. He did. I went to OCC for three semesters. Okay. And... That was the unhappiest I've ever seen my dad <laughs> because, <laughs> because he used to tell my mother, he used to say, you know, he's got it. Mm. The other one don't. Wow. My other brother went to the, he went into the service and he uh, lived out in California. He worked as, as a, a store manager, okay. retail store manager, um, just did not like the food business at all. Yeah. And he said, why weren't we merchants? Why couldn't we have been merchants? <laughs> buy and sell, you know, just buy something and sell it. Why do we have to make food for people? <laughs> yeah. It was just, he wasn't there. He didn't like it at all. Yeah. But it was me and my dad mostly. And my sister, I had an older sister who gave up her career to come in and, and help manage. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, listen, I mean, bakery is a tough business to be in without a doubt. I mean, talk about the hours. Only food service people know that, too. Yeah. Other people think that that bread and pastry is the period. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And no, you're up all night. And I can remember going to work in the bakery hmm. at 2, 3 in the morning hmm. and saying, I'd drive by the houses and they'd be dark except for the TV. Hmm. And I'd say, man, I wish I could stay up all and watch TV instead of do this <laughs> shit. Go there. We'd walk in that bakery, it'd be 110 degrees <laughs> at 9 o'clock at night. Wow. You know, and then you start the ovens up and you get going. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was, it's a hell of a life. It is. Yeah. Very rewarding, though. Yeah. Very rewarding because you, the, the, the dough, uh, it, it's a process and it, it's a step-by-step. -step. You watch the fermentation. Mm -hmm. Columbus Bakery. Hmm. Yeah has the best-smelling bread hmm. in Syracuse because they still ferment it hmm. the old way. Wow, okay. Now they have dough developers, uh, and they cut your time in half. It activates the yeast. Yeah. Yeah. Columbus Bakery doesn't use it. They know how to make bread one way, and that's the old way. Huh. And that's why that bread smells the way it does. Yeah. It ferments the way it should. I mean, talk about a business that, I mean, you. I don't know of another place in Syracuse that is even comes close to resembling Columbus Bakery. My dad's. My dad had the same oven. Oh, really? The exact same oven, yep. We worked the bench to, uh, bench work the same way. Okay. And my dad would always call them hmm. and say, what do you think? You think we should raise the bread 10 cents next week? <laughs> yeah. Now, he had a bakery that was just uh, two doors down, mm -hmm. Delaro's Bakery. Yeah. There was a house that separated our bakery and his bakery. Hmm. He never called them <laughs> because he wanted to do it first, but he would call the uh, Jimmy at Columbus Bakery. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd say, what do you think? You think we should raise the bread and nickel next week? That's wild. Yeah. How did your dad become a baker? Was that like what his parents did? My mom's dad. Okay. Owned one of the, in fact, my mom's dad opened Columbus Bakery. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. And, um... My dad was smitten by my mother and went and applied for a job there. Okay. Yeah, and became the boss's, the boss's son-in-law. <laughs> and uh, his brother was also a baker. My father's brother owned Lincourt Bakery. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So they were both bakers. Wow. And um, my mother's father was a bakery. So you, if you think about it, it was my, my mother's father, my grandfather, yeah. my mother, hmm. and my father. We're all bakers. Wow. Yeah. Was there a pressure for you to like keep like go like open up another bakery? Never, because with my dad, uh, he, he he got ill okay. as I became an adult. He mm -hmm. got ill, and he would come down and merely just more or less guide me through it until I was a pro. And yeah, and then he got to stay home. Yeah. Is that something that you've ever wanted to pick back up? At yes. And yeah. Yes, my best friend, when I told him I was opening a taqueria, said, you're crazy. He, he said, you know how to make bread. Yeah. He said, that's one product. You teach your kids how to make bread. <laughs> he said, yes, teach them to make bread, Frank. 
And I, 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 I honestly, there's times when I wish I would have listened. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have listened because yeah. you can get bread and you can load up a truck and you can service the <laughs> restaurants in Syracuse. Oh, my dad serviced them all. Yeah. He serviced the best restaurants in Syracuse. Huh. That's wild. Yeah. And my, my dad had the only Italian bakery hmm. in central New York to close on Sunday. Wow. My dad did not work on Sunday, and that's a tradition that I carry on with my family. Yeah, we had to work last Sunday. Mm-hmm. They had a little uh, party down here at the the bicycle track oh, next yeah. to the shop, and we agreed to, to open. But we don't like to give up our Sundays. Yeah, and my dad had the best restaurants in Syracuse that would double their order on Saturday, mm. and he could close Sunday. Wow. Yeah, it's. Um, I see Michael post about that on Facebook from time to time about um, you know family you know family dinner on Sundays. Absolutely. I dated this girl years and years and years ago, and um, she, you know, her family are Northsiders as well, and um, uh, you know, big Italian family. And every single Sunday, all the family members got together for dinner at their grandma's house. You know, her grandma's happens house. every Sunday. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I didn't grow up with that in my family. My mom's from Kentucky. Dad's from Syracuse. Mm. You know, mom's German and Irish and all that. Dad's Italian and Sicilian. So. Um, you know, I, we were in Kentucky till I was 13. So we had like our, you know, our Southern family would get together, you know, from time to time, but there was no typical, like, Hey, every Sunday, everybody gets together and has, you know, dinner together. It's, it's great for the business. It's great for the family. Yeah. You know, the, the they could argue at the, at the shop. Yeah. And on Sunday, it's all forgotten. <laughs> Monday's a new day. No matter how serious yeah, the disagreement is, mm-hmm. it's forgotten on Sunday. That's awesome. It's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, I mean, I I know the answer is a lot, but I mean, well, yeah, what are some of the things that have changed for you at the restaurants over the past 16 years? The customers, Mm -hmm. the customers, the customers are a little more difficult now for some reason. Yes. Hmm. Um, When I first opened, everything was easier. Everything was easier. You bought something for $4, you sold it for $7, you made $3. Yeah. Now it's, it's totally different. Hmm. Now it's just, it's so hard to make a profit hmm. and make it work. It's so hard, you know. It's uh, it's insurance, comp insurance, uh, uh, the, the price of groceries, yeah. the, the beverages have gone up. Yeah. Um, you sign contracts hmm. with people and, and their prices go up mm-hmm. and you can't keep up. I cannot get $25 for a burrito ever. Yeah. I don't see that happening. <laughs> you know, and people say, oh, yeah, they'll get used to it. No, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. Hmm. It's it's, it's going to be tough. I don't know what the future is going to bring the next four or five years. But they're making it very tough. Government's making it very tough for small business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there's times I don't have as much experience in that. You know, we've we haven't been open a year yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, obviously, I hear the stories of everybody talking about costs and all that kind of stuff. And we've had stuff that's gone up. I mean, there is for some random reason a month where all the the one brioche bun that we carry just wasn't available. Yes, and there was no rhyme or reason to it. They couldn't tell us why. They couldn't tell us when it was going to be back. It I just... spent three weeks in the Chinese stores buying hmm. rice. My really? suppliers could not get me rice. Wow. Yeah. That's For wild. three weeks, I was all over the Chinese stores because some of their rice I couldn't use. Yeah. You know, I have to get this certain parboiled rice mm. for my line. Yeah. And it, it was tough, but it's yeah. the weirdest thing that there's certain products that are becoming hard to get for a while. Yeah. And then they show up again in the packaging, some of the packaging products. Yeah. They're sky high now and they're hard to get. <laughs> Extra large instead of large. Yeah, you can only get small, and it's just getting really, really tough. But you got to stay on the ball. You got to try to stay ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. Is it still fun for you after all these years being in food service? Yeah. It, well, it, it's more gratifying than fun. Yeah, it's hard to have fun when you're my age, <laughs> <laughs> but gratifying it is. It yeah. Is. I like I said, I love to hear people come in and say, "Hey, you know, just heard about this place." Hmm. Yeah, and I love that. I say. 15 years you just heard about it that means more people are going to hear about it yeah that means we're growing still Hmm. and i like that yeah so um i mean what's something do you do you have a a vision for the future for like the next five years of the restaurant because now you've got well you've got you have this location down here in fayette you've got the 
uh, Lencourt one, yes. right? And then you also have the truck, correct? And I have the truck, yes. I have the truck. We had the Valley location, mm-hmm. and, and my plan always was that when this store opened, I would close the one in the Valley. It was okay. just, I, the, the help was just too hard to find. Yeah. 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 Is that still, I mean, I mean, you've got a lot of kids, but is that still a struggle with, you know, finding good help? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you think the next, you know, five, ten years are for Panchitos? I think it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. I really do. I think it's going to be a struggle, but we're going to hang in there, and we're going to make good food, and we're going to, we're going to continue to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. The, our, our, uh, our slogan when we opened up. Yeah. I'd say, look, guys, we got to be here and be ready. Hmm. And like I said, it, it was lonely. It was February, and the <laughs> snow was flying, and we were sitting in that shop. It was very lonely at times, but I said, we have to be here and be ready. Hmm. And then one night, we just started getting busy. Hmm. And it, it just took off after that. And when the springtime came, we had lines out the door. Hmm. And it was thrilling. It was thrilling for all of them, even the kids. It was thrilling for them. They used to, uh, two of my boys worked at Wegmans okay. on, uh, on Pond Street. And I used to go in that store. And the manager would say, hey, Mr. Mignaca, how are you? I love your boys. Your boys are the best workers I got. They're two great workers, you know. <laughs> I think to myself, I got to get those guys working for me. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter was uh, a receptionist at a chiropractic office. Okay. Her phone skills are amazing. Hmm. They're amazing. She can handle three lines on the phone and have customers in her face. Hmm. Just amazing. <laughs> I cannot find another girl hmm. as good as her. I cannot find, and it's been 15 years when I tell you. Wow. She was started with me 15 years ago. Yeah. The phone skills that she developed, and I have to thank Dr. Sportelli for that. <laughs> <laughs> because he really gave her some great phone skills. Yeah, that's why. Which is very important. You need a good phone girl. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A good phone girl and a good driver. Yeah. A good driver. You got a bad driver, boy, they can kill you. They can ruin you. Yeah. Did, so when you first started, were you doing, or at some point, were you all doing a lot of deliveries? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was delivering when we first started. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. That was probably a big thing back then, because, I mean, like you said, the restaurant landscape was a lot different than it is today, and um, I'm sure a lot of people were expecting almost sort of like a pizza environment, right? When I opened the shop, one of the first things I did, I told you I used to drive to Boston, Yeah. was I got... I ordered three tacos, hmm. and they put them in a white styrofoam box that flipped up. The three tacos, they looked really nice in there. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to close the box and see what they would be like in 40 minutes, mm-hmm. a half hour. Yeah. And they were surprisingly good. Hmm. And that's when I said, boy, people are going to order tacos like they ordered pizza. Mm-hmm. And when they open that box, it's going to be a lot prettier than a pizza. Yeah. And it was. And it was, and it took off. It took off great. I used to have three drivers at one time. Wow. And then drivers became a liability. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought, you know, these new services, it's a necessary evil. Yeah. You give up a, a little bit of your profit, but they do well for you. Yeah. DoorDash, Grubhub, they do well for you. Yeah. And that's the delivery you you're all are doing today, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, we use them at the restaurant, and... For years, I was very much against them, yeah. you know, those services, just because it is a lot. Yeah. And, um, but, you know. You need them. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, depending on the restaurant, but for us, it's a good chunk of our business is sure. those deliveries. Because yeah. there's a lot of people out there that they don't care that they're going to spend twice as much as if they just got in the car and drove to the restaurant. They just want the convenience of That's it. That's right. Yeah. You know? so, they work hard. They make great money, and, and they use it like that. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what's some advice that you would give to someone who's thinking about opening up a restaurant today? You know, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that because there's a young girl who just opened up um, Mamacitas, it's called. It's Love on it. Taft Road. Yeah. And um, she works really hard. Mm-hmm. She makes good food, and it's just her and her sister. Yeah. Her sister worked for me. Oh, really? And told me, you know, my sister really wants to do this. Hmm. And her sister would come in. She was a customer of ours. We all knew Sarah. Yeah. And um, she just wanted, and so she bought a truck. Hmm. She yeah. started there. Then she got the, the brick-and-mortar place. Mm-hmm. And I love it, you know. And, yeah. and we've given her 
all kinds of advice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as far as uh, uh, disposing of your grease, she mm-hmm. didn't know how to do that. Yeah. You know, we gave her the, the name of the guy. Um, mm. We order her food all the time. Yeah. It's just a really nice thing to see somebody that worked for you, take what you taught them, and and get out there and make some money and do it. Mm. She's a great kid, and she's working hard, and she's doing the right thing. Yeah. So... Somebody comes to you and says, what's one thing that I should know before I open a restaurant? What is it? Hard work and sacrifice. <laughs> you should get it tattooed on your arm. <laughs> Hard work and sacrifice, because that's what you're in for. Yeah. Yes. And if, and if, you, can, and if you can take that and swallow it, yeah. it's a great life. Hmm. It really is. It's yeah. gratifying. It's hmm. so nice to have people come in and enjoy your food. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. You know that. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean. It's, it, it's what you're there for. Yeah. It's what you're there for. You're not there to to cook. (laughs) You're there to see people come out, Mm -hmm. walk out with your food and be happy. Yeah. I, I, the, for me, like the, one, many things I know I've seen change in the restaurant industry. I've had eat local New York for seven years Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, just this past year of actually being in food service. But one thing that I've seen change a lot is, um, owners who publicly talk about the struggle they have which I think is important. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as a customer, I want to know that, um, you know, I want to know that it's a pain in the ass. You know, I kind of, to some extent, it can help me appreciate more what they're doing. It's you know? work. Yeah, for sure. It's work. I mean, and you, and you got to like what you're doing. Right. But nobody says you got to have fun or, or you, you know, you got to be <laughs> thrilled. You just got to go there. You got to do it and you got to take pride in it yeah. and enjoy it. Anybody that tells you they're having a whole lot of fun, I don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. It's hard work and sacrifice, and it's the, it's the gratitude. It's the hmm. that gratifying feeling that you get, that accomplished feeling. I think you've already answered this question, but why do you do what you do? Well, I started out doing it to make jobs for my kids, mm-hmm. to really to get them in there, to get them working. I didn't know... For sure, what I was going to do, I knew I wanted to go back into business. I didn't know whether it was going to be a bakery, pasta, pizza, and the taco and burrito thing just it just happened to come up. It came up really quick. When I came home from South America and told the kids we're doing tacos, they thought I was crazy. Hmm. They thought I was nuts. And I said, no. I said, you got to think about it. Man. Those tacos, they open it up. They're going to see that. It's going to be beautiful. I'm hmm. telling you, kids, it's going to be beautiful. We were open, and they still didn't believe in me. Hmm. Because it was so slow when we opened. We, we had a very soft opening. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think on Cinco, mm-hmm. we opened in February. On Cinco de Mayo was when we had our grand opening. Okay. And that's when I started to get believers. That's mm. when the kids started saying, hey, Dad, yeah. <laughs> you know, you might have something here. Yeah. And, and that, that was a great thing just to see the, the enthusiasm mm. and the, the energy that the kids brought to it. That was great because I was I was fifty five when we opened the business. Hmm. I was I was starting to feel it. I was tired. At the end of the day, I was tired. Yeah. And getting up in the morning, it took everything. But when them kids got excited, hmm. and they started going in there, and that's when when we were happy and we knew we were on the right road. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Frank, I can't thank you enough for coming down. Oh, it's a um, pleasure. I mean, the sense of. Uh, I, I just know going into Ponchitos from now on that uh, like the sense of kind of history and you know pride almost that I feel uh, just you know getting talking to you and learning about the history of it. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I can't I, honestly. I can't. I'm thinking about just going down there for lunch right now. Awesome, my great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. everybody thank you so much for listening to the episode i really hope you enjoyed it if you want to you know stay connected to us visit us online at eatlocalnewyork.com and uh yeah subscribe to the channel follow us on social media be greatly appreciated we're going to catch you back here next week with another episode of the eat local new york podcast Thank you.